How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to have a good friend and client of ours, Zach White, on the show. Now, Zach is the world's best lifestyle engineering coach. He's widely regarded for changing the game in engineering career and leadership. He's worked with hundreds of engineering leaders from top technology companies around the world, including Facebook, Meta, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and industry leaders like General Motors, Nike, Lockheed Martin, Whirlpool, and many others, and he's helped them escape burnout and achieve true fulfillment and success in both their career and their lives. So in this episode, we're going to dig into what burnout actually is and why most people don't really know what it is, and then how to actually avoid it. We're going to talk about how his rock-bottom moment, finalizing his divorce in his mid-20s, changed him for the better and led him to true purpose. We're going to talk about why it's important for everybody to have a coach and also how to design a career that you truly, truly love. And don't forget, we only spread this message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sydlicbook.com to grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book, available now. All right, all right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking with my good friend, Zach White. Zach, welcome to the show. Xander, what a pleasure to be here. You're the man. You know I love Shit You Don't Learn in College, everything podcast, everything you do. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I love Oasis of Courage, so this this is a good, this is a good fit, man. I'm excited to dig in with you now. Um, you know, Zach, obviously, there's it, we're, we're going to dig into a lot here around, you know, how you transitioned from the corporate world to the coaching space. Everybody that you're working with right now is a, is a lifestyle engineer. Um, but really, before we dig into that, for everybody who doesn't know Zach, would you mind giving everybody maybe a, a three minute, uh, you know, review on how you got to where you are right now as the coach you are, the life changer that you are? Three minute review. I mean, Xander, you already know my life story takes at least three hours to give. There's so many highlights. Uh, well, it starts <laughs> with Zach, the the baby engineer. I was born an engineer. Uh, it was in the DNA from day one. My dad's a PhD, uh, double E kind of guy. And boiler up, he went to Purdue. And I just grew up in that world and always had a knack, just like the Dilbert clip for the way things work yeah. and loving 
gadgets and gizmos, played with circuits in the basement, that sort of thing. Went to Purdue, and my spirit of rebellion was instead of doing electrical engineering, I did mechanical engineering, Xander. You know, I didn't there want to follow go. in. There you go. <laughs> don't, don't follow in your dad's footsteps too close, right? And so I, I studied yeah. ME, uh, got into my career at Whirlpool Corporation, a leadership development program, and I was on fire. You know, life was great. I got married right out of college to my dance partner, ballroom and Latin dancing at Purdue. If you uh, want to know another side, I'm the, known as the dancing nerd sometimes, but got married and then, <laughs> you know, everything in life was great. Kept pursuing career growth, thought I had it all under control. And the truth is I didn't. <laughs> and uh, we could yeah. fast forward from there. But uh, short story is that I, I experienced rock bottom burnout, major, you know, yeah. life life moments where you're just grinding your face along the the floor of rock bottom and wondering, wow, what happened? Uh, divorced, embarrassed, frustrated, and and depressed. And that was the beginning of what is now Oasis of Courage. I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Uh, we stayed in corporate for a few more years after that. And now here we are today, taking all of what I went through, turned it into a really powerful, you know, methodology, but also, you know, transformational coaching program for engineering leaders to not go through what I did. And here we are. Yeah. So before, before we dig into that, cause I think that's, you know, there's so much that we're going to have to talk about there, but you know, let's talk about like how you got set up for this a little bit. You know, I think, you know, this is kind of the spirit of, of shit you don't learn in college, right? You did what everybody told you you were supposed to do. You, uh, you know, you went to a good school, you got a great degree, you went to a great company, did the leadership development program. So like, tell me about that. Like what, what happened there? How did that, how did that end up in a rock bottom moment? I don't understand. Everything should be good, right? Yeah, I, I was perfectly programmed to not see it coming. And so here's how yeah. I would describe it. You know, it starts in high school. You you live semester to semester. It's all about learning how to get the grade. And my mom was a teacher. Academics were a big deal for me growing up. My mom used to say, you know, Zachary, school is your job. And I wasn't even allowed yeah. to get work uh, to earn an income during the school year. I was allowed to work in the summer, but I was not allowed to have a job to earn any money during the school year. And that was because academics was the only focus. I played sports as well, but it was all about grades. Good yeah, because you had to have some good extracurriculars if you wanted to get into a good school, right? Of so. course, got to beef the resume up. Exactly. And so exactly. student council and playing sports and doing all that. And, and it worked, you know, I got straight A's. I was valedictorian in my high school and I got a full ride academic scholarship to Purdue. I didn't pay a dime for any of my college education, which is amazing. Um, and, you know, everybody just gave me that recognition, that affirmation, oh, Zach's so smart, Zach, you know, you're, you're gonna be so successful. You, you, you know, really I had this high image of myself and in some ways a positive self-esteem, but in many ways anchored in all of these academic achievements and my ability to do two things, get smarter and work harder. That was the only yeah. recipe for success that I knew. And I went to well, Purdue. It sounded like, just, sounds like a lot of this, it sounds like a lot of this is also based on what other people are praising you for. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. I, I could count on accolades from my entire family and friends and church and everybody. If I just came home with that straight A report card. And yeah. it felt good. 
you know, and, and, and it is nice to be smart. I mean, don't get me wrong. Intelligence is a great thing, but I didn't ever really ask the question, do I want all of this or what's this all about? Yeah. I just knew this is the game. This is what I'm supposed to go do. And to your point about go to a great college, get a great job. Wow. That was definitely the mantra growing up in my household. Mm -hmm. Like you will go to college, <laughs> study something where you can earn a great income and go land that that great job at a good, a good, stable, safe, secure company. Wow. Yeah. Did, like yeah. I heard that message over and over again and I believed it. I was bought in to that being the dream and it happened, right? I got to Purdue, yeah. did really well. And then I landed a job with a big, safe, secure company, making a great salary and, you know, chosen for this leadership development program. Same recipe and then. As as in high yeah, school, I'm, just I'm, kept I'm rinse sure, and repeat. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that it didn't all just like crumble right away. Maybe there was a time period when it 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 was good and it was like the honeymoon phase. Like, tell me about that. How long did it take before you really got to this quote unquote burnout phase? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The first year was just like cloud nine, right? Everything is so fun. Yeah. You're learning. You know, you're in your career. You're you're kind of the rookie. You can make the innocent mistakes and work the long hours and hustle and it all is, is fun and exciting and, you know, newlywed. It's not like, you know, there's, there's yeah. much to complain about in life. And I actually then Whirlpool sent me to get my master's in mechanical engineering. So I had two years of work in this rotational leadership development program. And honestly, Xander, I think that made it even worse because mm -hmm. what happened was I had six months in a rotation in a particular area of the engineering team and then I was able to leave that team and go work in another part of the company for six months and then leave that team. This was just like semesters. Yeah. Right? I only had to worry about my life six months at a time. Yeah. And then I got to go to the next thing. Was, you're, and then I went back, back to school. In college, but now you're getting paid well for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and then, of course, I did go back to school and spent yeah. another two semesters earning my master's. And so then I could just plug right back into that old rhythm that served yeah. me well my life up to that point. So the burnout phase didn't really kick in until about a year after getting out of grad school. Yeah. That's when you hit that realization of, oh, hold on. <laughs> like, there's no new job just automatically coming in six months. Yeah. There's no grades at the end of December. <laughs> like, yeah. what's, the, and, and- The dopamine yeah, hits, the dopamine hits have started to dry up a little bit. Totally, totally. And you realize how long this game is actually going to be. Oh, and by the way, some of the strategies that make you successful in school don't actually work in your career. And yeah. that's the whole the whole shit you don't learn in college concept, like yeah. hits you square between the eyes. And you're like, what's going on around here? How do I navigate this? Um, and then for me, you know, in my life story, unfortunately, my marriage started to crumble. Yeah. And I didn't know how to deal with that at all. So I compartmentalized like every good engineer and male would do, put yep. my failing marriage into one bucket and said, I'll get to that. Put my growing career into another bucket and said, okay, that's working. I'm going to just keep doing more of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but even there, I didn't really have the, the full spectrum of what it takes to build a great career because I was operating in this academic mindset. Yeah. And, you know, just all these things trying to play the game. And then, oh, of course, Sander, I didn't tell anybody that I was struggling. Yeah. I wanted to tell the whole world external that I was 
just the same guy who was valedictorian in high school and good yeah. grades all through life. Every area of my life is perfect, Sander. Yeah. yeah, that's what it, my it's mom all about thought. That appearance. It's all about how it shows to uh, everybody else. Dude, I, I, and if you had asked me then, I never would have told you that I was pretending. Like I really thought I was a sincere guy, full of integrity, and all that. Like I told myself that story through and through, that I was living a very congruent and yeah. great life. But ooh, looking back. I was putting. I mean, on you're a huge you're preaching front. you're preaching my language, man. Like, I look back at Cisco, and I was like, any like any point in time, then like, if you'd asked me if I was happy, if I was content, if I was doing something that was worth, I, I would have said yes. I would have mm-hmm. said, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing. I'm I'm enjoying this. And it's like looking back, man. Now I'm like, man, I I I can see how much I was lying to myself, and I was lying to myself so much that like I truly believed the lies that I was telling myself. Yeah, it's crazy to see that. So. I'm curious because you describe yourself as like really going through, you went through a real rock bottom burnout moment. Um, I'd, I'd love for you to describe like what, cause you know, the term burnout has been kind of starting to get thrown around a little bit more. Um, I, I'd love for you to kind of describe like what, what is burnout? What is that actually like? Because I think there are people out there that may not know that they're burnt out or burning out or headed down that path. And I think they need to be aware of it. And then there's other people that are going to go, holy crap. Yeah, that was me. Um, so I'd love for you to just kind of fill me on like, what is burnout? Tell me about it. I think it's an important question, Xander, because you're right. Burnout manifests in a lot of different ways and they're not all the stereotypical burning the candle on both ends, yeah. working a hundred hours a week and just flat running out of energy because you're working too much. I think that's the traditional thing people would describe that's, as, oh, that's you're burned out. That's what my mind, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, no doubt, doing that can and will burn you out. Yeah. But what I've found as I've been doing this work in coaching, and then I'll tell you my own story, is that I, I wasn't working stupid hours when I burned out. Yeah. You know, and so, okay, well, what is burnout? I, I really believe burnout gets triggered not by what you're doing, the actual triggers of burnout are introduced by what you're not doing. Mm. Okay, so you you stop taking care of yourself. You're not eating well. You're not exercising. You're not sleeping. You stop taking actions aligned with the things that you love, your purpose, your values, your yeah. vision. You know, you give up your favorite hobbies for something, or you give up your favorite relationships. You're not connecting with friends and family that you love, and you're not getting filled in relationships. Uh, maybe you're on a team at work where you don't feel connected at all to the mission of what's going on there. So you've, you've really given up any sense of purpose in your vocation. And it's, it's all these things that are missing that trigger this drain on your energy that's not just physical, it's also emotional and spiritual. They're the parts of you, you're a whole person, not just a body, right? Your body, yeah. mind, soul, spirit, all these. And so what happens I've seen with burnout is as you start to delete all the things that fuel you and give you energy and keep you connected to your source and to your power and to your your sense of enthusiasm for life, then all the things that you are doing will push you over the edge, you know, because yeah. now you are working those long hours. Or you just are pulling energy, and if you're not filling that energy back up, exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen, especially in the entrepreneurial space, Sander, people who are working the hundred-hour weeks, but they're thriving. Yeah. Right. And okay, then they also are taking time to balance and they're going on vacation. They're doing their their float tanks and their meditations. Yeah. Right. But it's not about ours. So in my situation, what caused it was this 
I'll describe it as keeping secrets. Mm. Okay, I, I started to, again, I mentioned the compartmentalization, and I, I got further and further into this world where I was having to pretend to be somebody at work and at home and all these things that wasn't really what was happening and manage all this pain and discomfort and fear and embarrassment in the background. And as that gap got bigger and bigger, the energy that it took to keep that smiling face on got higher and higher, harder and harder to the point. Yeah. Where, oh yeah, and and next thing you know, I mean, I'm just gassed, even by three or four o'clock in the afternoon. And yeah. it's like, why? Why am I so tired all the time? And then because I'm so tired, well, guess how great of a husband I was when I did get home. Yeah, <laughs> like not present, right? And and then it just compounds and compounds. And where did it end for me? Well, the moment that I hit the floor of rock bottom was sitting in a conference room with all these fancy mahogany bookshelves at a big conference table, diagonal from a divorce attorney, having a conversation about why I need a divorce. And for her, for my attorney, this was just another day at the office. For me, this was like the last place in the world that I ever wanted to be. Yeah. And I just couldn't figure out how did I, like, how did I get here? How did this happen? And I mean, I will never forget that moment. Just we're having this casual conversation about this extremely painful life altering decision. And my whole world just unwinded in that moment. And ah, uh, like depression, sadness, tears, everything started to flow from you that You moment. couldn't hold it back anymore at that point. No, it was game over. And first phone call I made was to my sister, my sister, Lindsay. And it was the first time, Xander, that I had actually been authentic and, and honest with anybody who I loved and who loved me about what was really going on. And, you know, the healing began at that moment. But wow, it was just like, the floodgates, man. I've been holding it back for so long. Oh, that's amazing, man. And I think that's part of what it, especially as as a masculine energy as a man, like the first step is like we have to kind of allow it. We have like stop the lies, the secrets, like you mentioned, and allow it to be real and be honest with ourselves. And then you kind of start to heal from there. So uh, I'm assuming after that rock bottom moment, you started to take some steps to change. Like what were some of the significant things that you had to end up focusing on? And I'm sure you focus on with a lot of your clients to help them, you know, kind of reintegrate, you know, fix this, this tension, this dissonance, if you will. Yeah. So you already mentioned the first point around being with the pain. As an engineer myself, you know, the probably combined with being a male, that, that willingness to sit in discomfort and be totally honest about the fact that I don't have it all figured out to have a good cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, those things were really important. And uh, okay, the Mark, action Mark side- It's very unmanly and it's also very <laughs> illogical. So as an engineer, exactly. like I know it, you know, now I, it was funny. I just did a, a, um, a group session yesterday where I told everybody at some point I'm going to write a book titled More Tears, More Success, because I truly believe the more you cry, the more successful you'll be. But like you go back to six years I, ago, me, and it's like, no way, never happening. I will already write a positive review of that book, even though you haven't <laughs> written it yet, because it's so true. And 
So I, I did take the action to go get a therapist, work with a counselor, and just start doing that healing work and yeah. and get professional help from somebody who understands that kind of pain and going through divorce and healing from divorce. And then also, uh, you know, I, I saw that as healing the wounds, you yeah. know, getting support in all of the woundedness that had built up over that time, some of the resentment, the bitterness, the embarrassment, and all those pieces, and doing that work, that inner work around healing. But the other thing I did was hired my first coach. Yeah. I I mean, it was only six months after the divorce that I reached out and hired my first coach and said, you know what? I need the healing. I need that backward looking work with my counselor, but I also feel ready to create a new life. Yeah. And I'd heard about coaching and had never actually talked to a coach before. And so I reached out to my first coach and and hired her. And at the time, I was like, man, this is crazy money. Like, what am I doing? But I can tell you honestly, and I mean, I know this sounds like such a shameless plug because here you and I are both coaches, but I really mean this sincerely. Like that experience of being coached was the catalyst to a completely transformed life for me in how I approached the whole picture of who is Zach and how to get results in a completely different way. Yeah. Uh, it was amazing. I just loved the experience. It's like, oh, this is such a powerful thing. Every call, I was so excited for the coaching. You know, all the action steps that came out of it, I was just like, go, 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 really jazzed to get after it. And I ended up creating massive results in my career after that, way better than prior. Uh, like five promotions in five years, doubled my income, everything going just the way I wanted it to go. I loved my work. I felt really connected to the to my career. And you know, met another amazing woman after that, got remarried a few years later, and just everything started clicking uh, yeah. on, on all cylinders. And it was awesome. So the combination of reaching out for help and healing, but also reaching out for help and growing, which I really see as two different you know, areas to focus on. So, so let's, let's huge. talk about, yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I do I, like, obviously there's a reason that I'm in the coaching industry. There's a reason you're in the coaching industry because I do see the power of coaching. Right. And I see how much it's affected my life. Like I will never be without a coach and I, it'll just never happen. I'll always have multiple Same. coaches in my Same. life. Um, so for, for anybody out there that, you know, doesn't have a coach or is thinking about a coach, like what would your advice to them be? Well, First thing is ask yourself, what is it that you believe about coaching that's holding you back from having one? Yeah. Because for me, as an engineer and an intellectual, and let's be blunt, a guy full of ego coming yeah. into my my world, I honestly believed that I was plenty smart. I was already in the upper echelon of humanity, right? I was so intelligent. Like, I can figure anything out that I need to figure out. I that was one that's, belief. That's part of it too, right? It's like, it's almost the ego of like, I am, I am more worthy if I can figure this out on my own. Yes. I believe right? that wholeheartedly before, <laughs> beforehand. Um, and I think you just got to ask yourself, is that you, you know, are you in that place? And if so, I'm not going to tell you if that belief is right or wrong. I'm just yeah. going to ask you, is it serving you? Are you getting the results in life that you want with that belief that doing it alone is somehow better? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you in my experience and for all my clients, it is <laughs> evidence suggests that I get tremendously better results when I crush that part of my ego and get a freaking coach. Um, 
There's a reason that the best performers and best players in every domain of life have coaches. Olympians have coaches. Professional athletes have coaches. Professional speakers have coaches. Coaches have coaches. Like, <laughs> so I, I think you just got to ask yourself that. The other thing for me, I remember, Xander, I, remember is, I was, uh, so yeah. Jack Canfield's one of my, my friends and personal mentors. And he was like, yeah, I had, I had two coaches. And then I, I asked Oprah how many coaches she had. And she said four. So I hired three more coaches. So I hired three more coaches. Exactly. <laughs> because clearly she was doing something right. <laughs> I, I, I agree. So, and, and maybe for some people, that's all the evidence you need, right? Just go look around, you know, and, and even look within your own company. I guarantee you that the C-suite, those people have coaches. Yeah. Right. I mean, people don't get to these levels alone. You know, it's the old African proverb, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. Right. And it's yeah. like, that's super true. So that's the first thing. And then the other piece, Xander, is I think I took the idea of coaching from the wrong lens. I, I thought I thought that I was hiring this person to tell me all the answers. And that was part of why I misunderstood and thought that, well, why do I need them to tell me the answers? I'm really good at studying. I can go learn the answer. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what I know, because I know a lot of things that I'm not actually doing. <laughs> I'm yeah. not actually using. And as engineers especially, but I think it's true for anybody, we fall into this false understanding that just because I have something in my head means that I'm actually creating all the value possible out of that thing. Yeah. And wow, that's not true. <laughs> like not even close. I can't tell you how many times my coach, including you, Xander, have just told me to do something that I already knew to do, but I wasn't doing. Yeah. And then I got a massive result just because that person was there to show me a blind spot. Yeah. And so I think engineers and, and people pursuing coaching for the first time <laughs> come at it from the wrong lens. It's not about them being smarter than you. In fact, it's probably great if your coach is not as smart as you because then they're not going to say the same stupid stuff that you're telling yourself all the time. They're going to come at it with, with really simple, clear actions that are going to help that. you break through. I love that. That's, that's so powerful. So, so obviously getting a coach was an important part to, to expediting this process. And now you yourself have been able to build a successful coaching career, helping others as well. I'd love to dig into that a little bit because I think now not only have you been through the process, but you have now built an expertise helping you know dozens and hundreds of other people do the same, right? So you know one of the concepts that you talk about is this whole idea of forgetting about work-life balance, right? Which almost goes contrary to what we just talked about, which is like trying not to burn out, right? And we want to make sure you have work-life balance. So can you, can you fill me in on that? Like, talk to me about what that means to you and how you actually help people implement this. As an engineer, I like to think in models, yeah. you know, mental models. And the problem with the phrase work-life balance, it's super popular. It's well-intended. I think people who talk about work-life balance really do mean well in the way they talk about it. But what happens anytime you use the word balance and you put two things in front of it, is we picture the scale. Yes. On one side is work and on the other side is balance. And so in, or life, work and yeah. life, this idea. And so the model of that for me is completely wrong. That's, bro that's like, you don't have this thing in your life called work and this other thing in your life called life. They're, they're fighting. And yeah, they're like in competition. I can either have one or the other. And it 
it constantly puts us in this idea that, uh-oh, work is getting to be too much, so I need to stop working and get a little more life. What does that really mean? And, yeah. and what I see it manifest as with my clients all the time, Xander, I call it bipolar. It's yeah. like I hate my work, and I try to make up for that by loving my life a little bit more. So if yeah. I can party harder on the weekend or just do something that's really, yeah. really fun on Saturday, it somehow okay that's going to hate my work. Yeah, that like creates balance on this scale. And it's OK to be in a career that's not fulfilling and that's a total drag wow. for five days a week. And so the model is broken in my mind. It's not about like somehow you can make up for a bad work by having a great life. Yeah. And so I completely crush that. Like forget forget that idea because if you hate your work or it's not fulfilling or here's even the worst trap Sander. It's just okay. Yeah. It's, it's just pretty, lukewarm. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Lukewarm pretty good careers are the worst because those engineers, those people out there listening like <coughs> they're not going to change. They're going to live in that place for a long I was, time. I always so tell people, I think I got really lucky at Cisco because it was a pretty damn good career. It was a pretty damn good job. And somehow I made it out. And I think that was very, very rare. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you got to look at this and say, what am I really optimizing for? And again, I, I use engineering words. Can't help myself. But to me, I have one life. I am a whole person. I have one whole life. And I want that whole life to trend upwards over time in abundance, love, expansion, financial freedom, time freedom, amazing relationships, all the things that matter. Like I want the whole thing to move up over time. And I'm not going to do that if the one thing that gets the majority of my time <laughs> sucks. <laughs> your work. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to work a lot in your life. And so that's what got me so passionate about starting Oasis of Courage was I saw around me as an engineering leader, so many engineers who were either in that it's okay, or frankly, they did not like it, but they felt trapped or like, well, this is the way it is. There's so many people around me who are the same. We're all complaining about this cesspool of our careers together. So this must be life. Yeah. There's no other way to do it. I'll just deal with it and make sure to have some some drinks and some fun on the weekend. And that's my work life balance. Nice it's little like, happy hour and hang out with oh, some friends. Goodness. Yeah. So let, let me let me yeah let me ask you this then. Like, what is that blueprint for a successful career? Because you know it's like the way that I'm hearing you talk about it. It's like that Richard Branson quote. It's not work. I don't call work work and play play. It's all just life. Right. So, you know, if I'm listening to this and I'm in the corporate world, I'm like, is Zach just telling me I need to quit my job right now? Like, and I just need to go become a coach like him. Like, what, what do I do? How do I get to that point of having a quote unquote successful career? Great question. And I'd highly encourage you to join my 90 day coaching program to get the answer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, Sanders. So here's the thing. Kind of, kind of kidding, but kind that. of kidding, kind of not kidding. Uh, so, the model that I work through with my clients is called the Lifestyle Engineering Blueprint. And yeah. one of the fundamental things, the foundation of the model is your mindset. There is no question that we must begin with changing the way that we think about career, period. Take ownership for the fact that if you don't like it, that's not your company's fault. That's not you know, your spouse's fault. That's nobody else's fault but your own radical responsibility for the fact that if you're not loving your career and if it's not serving that picture of your whole life, 
Let's own that and get started on doing something about it. Um, you're building that growth mindset, understanding engineers are notorious for, and I'm guilty, right? Fixed mindset kind of thinkers, referencing Carol Dweck's amazing work on mindset. So we, we got work to do on the way we think, taking that ownership. And then there's four pillars, getting connected to your purpose, getting really clear on your priorities, understanding how to be massively productive, and then understanding people. Purpose, priority, productivity, people. Every single career problem that you're facing or business, but you know, I focus on career professionals in my work, fall into one of these four buckets. Either you got a purpose problem, yeah. you're not aligned with who you are, your vision, your values in that area. You've got a priority problem, you know, you're giving away your your time and energy to things that are not actually aligned with what's important. You're letting other people's yeah. priorities take precedent over your own. You're not being productive, frankly. You're wasting time and energy. On, you know, you got to learn how to make make that time count, get leverage. And frankly, for engineers especially, you can't do it by yourself, man. <laughs> like you got to connect to people and learn how to build those relationships that are going to support you. Learn how to lead with generosity. So that's that's what we work through. And what I've found is most people have one or two of those that are major barriers for them. And yeah. again, a lot of times we don't see it because what we do is the same thing Zach did. You find the one that's your strength. Hey, strengths finder, right? Leverage your your strengths. Well, you, yeah, you that's true. Down. Let's go after this. <laughs> exactly. And and there's a lot of truth to that. I don't want to poo-poo on the like find your strengths and leverage it. That is important. But you go through life with your foot on the gas pedal and another foot smashing the brake pedal at the same time and and you don't get real far. So a big part of coaching is, hey, let's take our foot off the brakes. And, and you know, this is just the starting point, but inside of that, we always find, 100% of the time find that there's mindset shifts that need to happen and there's action to take to release the brakes. And when we get those things aligned and there's congruence on your whole person, it starts to feel really easy. And, and actually, Xander, a lot of people think I got to change companies or I got to quit my job. I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to, yeah. maybe you are an entrepreneur and you think you need to get a job. Like we all think there's some yeah. change in our external that's going to make it all easier. 90% of the time, like you can have a massive impact on the quality of your life without changing any of those things. Just by realizing where you're causing some problems, making those shifts and, and being an agent of change in your current environment. Then we can talk about, all right, well, how do we go to the next level even beyond that? But the common denominator in every job I ever had was me. <laughs> so I got to fix yeah. me first before I can actually yeah. create a better career. If you're unhappy in each of these jobs, maybe it's not the job. Maybe it's exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> For consideration, since we're talking about mathematics today, the common denominator among these problems yeah. is what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wherever you go, so there you good. are, Xander. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great, man. I think this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Uh, the last question I always got asked, the the spirit of shit you don't learn in college and someone who went to a, a nice university, what's what's one thing that you wish you learned when you were at school? I I wish there was some way for me to realize that I'm not playing a finite game. And there is no end of the semester and letter grade given where I close that chapter in my life. You know, yeah. there are seasons of life. There are things that we do, but something about school just got me into that rhythm of 
you know, it always comes to an end. We play these finite it's, games, and then it's you almost—it's almost like a like a video game. That's the next yeah. level. It's the next phase. Yeah, it, exactly. And I think for me, that's a big part of what made pro- uh, integrating into my career and life and marriage so hard. Is like I was looking for what's the scoreboard? Where, what's the scorecard here? How do I game this to yeah. win? How do I win this thing? And then one day you kind of wake up and realize, well. Okay, if I make a hundred thousand a year, have I won? If I make two hundred thousand yeah. a year, have I won? If I make five hundred, like, wait a minute, where? Well, there isn't a finish line. You know, it's like you're just showing up to this thing every day, and you you realize, wow, you know, I'm not actually sure what I want at all. And nobody taught me how to ask these questions and really get clear, get that clarity about why am I here? What do I want to accomplish? And what is today about? You know, I was so wound up about, okay, what's the syllabus for this course? <laughs> I want to get all my things yeah. delivered yeah. on time and get my get my A at the end. I want to show up at the pearly gates and have God give me an A on my report card, Xander. Like that was my my whole thing. So I wish that that had been somehow shared with me in, in a way that could have changed my approach coming out of school. I love that, man. I think that's I think that's so good. Zach, where can where can more people learn about you? Learn about Oeko. I think there's a lot of people out there. Obviously, if you're an engineer, you're going to want to make sure to follow Zach and learn more about him. But where can everybody learn more about you? Yeah, I would love to to hang with anybody listening. If you you know jamming with what I'm saying here, or you are an engineer, I'd love to support you. And uh, my podcast is the best place to get connected. It's called The Happy Engineer. And you can find it, thehappyengineerpodcast.com if you want to check online or just whatever platform you use, Apple, Spotify, wherever, jump over and search The Happy Engineer. But uh, all the ways to contact me and get connected with me are there on that website. So yeah, come check us out, thehappyengineerpodcast.com. I love it, man. Zach, the world's best lifestyle engineering coach. Thanks for being on the show, man. I think a lot of people got a ton of this, a ton from this. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. Man, Xander, thanks so much. This is awesome. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. 